That question is so loaded, John. I don't even know where to start well, with that. Well, question. well I, I listen, guess, I guess, I guess the problem is, is. And by the way, John, I love that question. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Interesting. This is an interesting. What's the solution here? Show up, understand your part, and just crush it. Pay-per-click, social media, we can talk about all this stuff, but what really matters is patient experience, that wow factor. Startup Uncensored, the questions you have with the truths you need to hear. Now your hosts, Michael Dincio and John Bertagni. What is going on, people? This is Startup Uncensored Podcast. I'm super jacked about today, specifically because today is about equipment, and we have an expert that, uh, well, really, two experts. I, I'm kind of out of, I'm kind of out of my uh, my world today. This yeah, is thanks for introducing us. That's all we needed from hey, you. Hey, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So, <laughs> so I'm just this third guy out today. But John Bertagni, my partner and friend. Uh, how you doing, friend? What's going I'm doing, on? I'm doing great. It's a great day, and uh, yeah, this is a this is going to be a perfect day because we have uh, you know an unleashed partner in this in uh, Matt Zolfo, and uh, you know an industry icon, number one, a friend, a confidant, and really someone that has done right by the industry throughout his career. And I think we could say that about all of us. But it's a lot easier saying it about someone else like Matt. So uh, we're happy to have him. This is something where we're getting real tangible listeners and, 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 and viewers. Like, So this is where people are going to be really excited because this is where they're able to go somewhere, touch, feel, and they can start seeing what their you know dentistry is going to be about. So uh, this is a, a great session. Who knows? This could be a series of five. We don't even know what this is going to turn into. Uh, it really could be. Matt, Matt doesn't like to talk at all. We have we've got to extract it from him. I'm the, I'll be the quiet one in the group. All right, buddy. Well, thanks for being here. We, we're so glad, man. Uh, tell us, tell us what's you know a little bit about why we chose you because we know the, these guys don't even know who the hell you are. Gladly, yeah. No, so um, by the grace of God, I graduated Baylor in 2004 and uh, was kind of the lab rat or the original test case as to whether the dental industry or dealers specifically could hire someone young, forward thinking, with aggressive with business acumen versus, you know, a service tech that turned a wrench for 30 years uh, to do business development, sell equipment and sell technology. But uh, started right out of the gates in the North Texas area uh, for Henry Shine. Uh, I was there 14 years, did about uh, eight, a little over 850 dental offices and transacted a little over 107 million in value of equipment and technology. So wow. had a lot of fun, uh, about a third to uh, third to 40% of my business were quote DSOs as we call them, but the majority of my clients were all private practices. The only DSOs I worked with were people that started with one location yeah. and ended up with 15, 30. In some cases, I think my biggest client had 88 before transacting with private equity. So I've been through that process a number of different times and uh, help people scale and systemize and optimize their, their operation to, uh, you know, really focus on patient care so we could focus on practice care and scale and volume and stuff like that. Well, I wow. think it's cool. Like those numbers are astronomical. Number one, kudos to you. But your, your knowledge is not only going to be based on how to start these things up, 
how to run them because he did some uh, accounting pieces and some some really cool stuff also along the way to uh, to keep businesses going. But then in the end, what it means and you know what this asset looks like towards the end of the career. So we're going to really focus today primarily on on the startup pieces, but we want people to start having that business acumen and, and, and cognition of how to spend their money and be smart about their money and to be able to say, you know what, sit down. I know this already. Uh, I don't trust you anymore. I'm moving to the next guy. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff we want to give to our listeners and, uh, and viewership. So uh, well, we, yeah. we are working, we are working through a process here, right, John? So episode yeah. seven is, is really the seventh step to this whole thing. And we started with vision, demographics, real estate, banking, construction, architecture, and now we're landing on the equipment. Yeah. Um, you, you can really inter, intermingle design, construction, and equipment. That can all kind of be the same step. Matt, walk us through like these, these we're going through the process. So this is kind of like the next step. So when you were an equipment guy and, and you just threw out your stats, which is crazy how many projects you've been a part of, crazy how many, uh, John, I mean, on this ep. On this episode, we've got well over a thousand, like well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's insane the numbers. And and by the way, the steps we're in the seven steps. You can call it seven steps of hell, or <laughs> depending on how you look at this, you know, with Dante's Inferno. So let's, let's figure this thing out. Um, That's right. What's the what's the next step? Like, how how did you walk these clients through? You know, that initial meeting. What are they expecting? on that first meeting with an equipment guy or gal and you know what's that pro what what should it be what can it be like give us the breakdown yeah absolutely so i mean obviously there's a variety of different ways to buy anything but particularly pertaining to doing a new office um it was really important to me i I think that the job of any dealer uh, and specifically whether it's a supply rep or an equipment guy um, on the equipment side my job should be to pull that doctor's dream practice out of their mind and help them execute a the reason they went to dental school and b being a small business owner or a large business owner um, without them making any bonehead business decisions Perfect. Um, that doesn't mean it's about me it doesn't mean it's about the dealer it's really about that relationship and having trust and confidence that the individual you're dealing with has your best interests at heart so i would literally sit down with people and have that same conversation why'd you go to dental school what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you like about what you do now? What do you not like about what you do? Um, I dealt with people that started practices right out of dental school, literally a couple months out, um, or that you know had already had a family and a couple kids, and and were kind of taking that leap from making a couple hundred grand a year to going into debt and not making a couple hundred grand a year. So it's really about um, I tell doctors that you know what you need to do is surround yourself with a team of individuals, um, and I called them the four B's: a bank a broker, a builder, and a bean counter. And it's an, it, it was essential that those individuals, A, had experience in the industry, B, were dental specific uh, in that arena. And, and again, C, had kind of had your best interests at heart. So first thing I'd do is first and foremost, set a budget. You know, we, with a dental license and a pulse and no divorce and no bankruptcy, most of the time you can get half a million bucks, right? And you're going to spend every cotton pick and penny of that. So once the loan approval is in place, I'd establish a budget. We'd do a project budget and an equipment budget. Um, you know, a little now, over half. Hang on a second. Yeah. Because you, you, what you're doing is quarterbacking the whole Correct. project. 
that's what I did too. And there's, there's, there's probably a handful of these guys, maybe 20 across the country. And there's maybe 400 equipment reps across the yep. country. Some of them don't have, a, or have the ability to go to a Matt Zolfo and, mm-hmm. and have that quarterback. So I love the fact that you're going through this. I want you to also say like, hey, man, if you're in wherever and you don't have someone that has this acumen that's going to be able to look at a P&L, look at a budget and, and, and do this, what should our listeners be thinking about? Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, the most important thing is, you know, the dealer that you deal with, whether it's any of them, Henry Schein, Patterson, Benko, Burkhart, everybody's good. Everybody does a good job. It's really about the individual and their and their approach. Um I would encourage people to steer clear of people that are transactional. Like, here's a quote, you know, I'll match anything. Off we go. You're going to get that same service, you know, post-install and in the future. And you're also not really going to gain any insight um, on, you know, maybe some best practices that you could apply. I used to tell people when I was training at Henry Schein, you know, frankly, uh, you know, when I was training other equipment guys, I'd say, frankly, once you've done, you're an expert. You know, once you've done one, you're an expert. I mean, no disrespect to the doctor, but they haven't done this before. So with every additional office, you know, I used to tell people, I'm not that good. I've just seen everything. I'm really not that good. I've just seen everything. I've seen people do it successfully. I've seen people do it unsuccessfully, Um, you know, and just kind of, you know, your dealer or that individual should be able to point you in the right direction based on, you know, what you want to be when you grow up. It's not the least thing that that whole process should be about is the equipment and the type of x-ray and the practice management software you buy. I mean, that, that will have zero impact on your success as a, as a doctor, the, the, the physical plant that you create and that you design and, you know, what your lease rate is and what the term on your loan is, not the interest rate necessarily, but the term on your loan and the way the payments are graduated and, you know, the demographics that you're looking at, are you in a high growth area or an area that's dying? Not so much about competition, but, you know, what, what, other businesses and what other communities, you know, are, are coming to that area in the future because you're signing, you know, a five or seven or 10 year lease in some cases. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you, you will move that down the road, but you kind of need to start with the end in mind, per se. Let's let's stay. I love that, Matt. You can just hear that. Right, John and, and Matt, that he's comprehensive. He thinks about the big picture. Let's stay on equipment. Because we, the three of us could go off of a hundred different tangents, but those are all our other episodes. So we'll be here. We'll be here all freaking day if we're going to, you know, talk about all that, but get it, get more into this transactional. You, you just said it, the transactional guy. What are some things, if we could say this, like, uh, as delicate as possible, what are some things that equipment guys and gals do that smells like transactional? Does that I'll make add, sense? Here it is. I'll let's let's just go back and forth, Matt. I'll say something, you say something, I'll say yeah. something. I'll, <laughs> I love that. Okay. I'll match that price. That's mine. Now you're up, Matt. Um My competitors not reputable. Perfect. And, or as soon as somebody starts talking poorly about somebody else, you, I mean usually that's a red flag. Right. It should be uh, speaking yeah. about what they do well. That's uh, a good one. Give me last look. Give me that last look. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I, I can't. Well, I can't. Call I can't. Else and then meet with me at the end. Yeah. What was that? Say it again. Go ahead and call everybody else and then meet with me at the end. Yeah. Got you. Um, I, I would say this, you know, 
um, only giving you something that smells bad, you know, uh, you know, this, this price is only good for this long. Let's get this done right away. Oh God. That's, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah. I hate that one. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, by the way, that, hang on a second. I'm going to go on a segue here. It's why you also, you know, I work for Belmont, right? Um, and it's why you actually want to get close to the manufacturer. So you can get a little bit of love and leeway. It's not only about the distributor rep, right? But like meet with and shake hands because sometimes that manufacturer's rep is your best ally long-term. Oh, that, you know, that upholstery or, you know, this chair cover, whatever it is, is out of warranty. They'll give you the sniff and be like, here you go. It's, it's under warranty. So let's keep on going on stuff to avoid or things that if, if people hear, get the hell away from them. Well, yeah. you guys, you guys just mentioned some good one-liners go down. You guys go down the path of like, what are some things that they, that they do? Like, like, like I hear a lot about, they'll just show one brand, you know, yeah. and, just, and just go down that path. And, and I'm not, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be Switzerland here, John, you're, you're my friend and you work for Belmont phenomenal company. But if a, but if a rep only showed Belmont and they were pushing just Belmont super hard, John, is that, is that okay? I mean, well, you'd be like, hell yeah, that'd be yeah, great. Perfect. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but I mean, if it's, especially if it's a company that doesn't make sense for them, like and Mike, you and I talk about this and Matt, you're going to love this, but you, you buy a house, you're not buying your dream house right out of the gate, right? You're Correct. not buying the Lamborghini, you know, day one. So let's jump into Toyota or let's jump into something by working with the team, the, you know, the four Bs that makes sense. And, and when I used to need two cars, maybe you only need one. Yep. Don't outfit the entire office. That's the one. Hey, that laminate color is going to go. We don't know if it's going to be there. So we need to outfit all eight operatories of cabinetry and chairs and whatever it is. Run the hell out of that guy's office if he says something like that. Yeah, that, that's crazy. Two things. One, what I used to say to folks is, you know, you're not buying products from me. You're buying your dream practice. So what, you know, now the only way I was paid or we were paid, John, is through them buying the things they needed to buy anyways through me, right? On the same token, again, the, you know, there are obviously different qualities of equipment and different qualities of radiography and different quality of hand pieces and all that stuff. But there's really kind of three main ones. There's good flagship stuff that's going to last probably 30 years that you'll reupholster two or three times and yeah. move in between two or three offices over the time horizon of your, of your life cycle as a dentist. There's a value line version of that, maybe less bells and whistles, call it Acura or Honda or Lexus or Toyota. And then there's cheap shit made by children in China, like literally cheap shit made by children in China. This is all factual. And I don't care what you buy, as long as you buy it through me, like literally whatever you want. Like people used to say this all the time, like, well, I found this on the internet. I'm like, great. Here's what you're getting. We sell that everybody, too. Everybody, this is startup uncensored. Correct. <laughs> I it, love this. I love this conversation, Matt. Well, you're, are, by the way, those are the passion. Those are the passion words, right? They're not. Yeah. They're not swear words. They're passion words. Yeah. But, but, that, I mean, but listen, man, this is what we want them to understand because mm -hmm. this stuff, you know, the good stuff, it will last 20, 30, 40 years. Truly. Correct. 
Absolutely. And that's the thing. It really depends on what the client wants. It'd be like, it would be like a patient, a doctor telling a patient in the chair um, who, you know, has something going on on 17. Well, you know, an implant's really the only way to go. Well, an implant's not the only way to go. You can do an implant. We can do a bridge. We yeah. do an extraction and with a space maintainer, or you can do nothing. I mean, this is your mouth, right? That's okay. the way that your dealer should be dealing with you. Now, it is important to be dealing with a reputable manufacturer. And, you know, you may be on a plane to Oregon at some point. Uh, we used to go to a plane in uh, North Carolina many years ago, but that company is no longer in existence. So <laughs> that's a good opportunity and a good way to get to know manufacturing and operatory design and your dealer. But it should not be the first thing out of the gates. Another big red flag is, hey, you want to get on a plane and uh, go on vacation for three days? Oh, my God. Like, this no. this should, there's a lot more planning that needs to happen before you get on a plane and go fly somewhere to learn. Right. I mean, you, you should kind of, you know, we're, walk before you run and run before you sprint. Hey, by the way, this was unscripted, but we've talked about that. Like, yeah. that should not be the first thing. Correct. Now, I mean, no. because that's that's what, what transpires there is you get caught up in the environment or the love or the kumbaya. That's not what this is about because right. we don't want to blow budgets. We don't, you know, I'm going to call it. There's a lot of upselling in those environments um, by some reps. I didn't do that. You didn't do that. Um, Correct. And I think that that's why we, you know, why we are who we are in the industry. Well, guys, let's get into that. This has been a phenomenal start to this episode. Um, (laughs) Oh, I thought um, you were done. And I know. And I was just about to say, I can already tell this is a two-parter. So we're going to start a two-part here in a minute. But, but. So let's get into that. The options. So, Matt, you were touching on this. I Mm -hmm. love it. Like, I don't think there's any wrong direction. You you mentioned cheap or, or longevity. It, it really does come down to vision and the business model, correct? And so correct. Well, I, let's get into that. What are the options? And let's not poo-poo some of those options. Like, because it might actually work out for somebody. I mean, yeah. this is why I would start with a budget. And I did two budgets. I did a practice budget which literally broke down this 500 grand between hard costs, soft costs, and working capital. Hard costs is equipment, technology, computers, a lot of stuff. Soft costs is construction. Working capital is marketing, um, hiring, ordering your business cards, you know. Signage. Uh, signage, all the little stuff you forget about at the end. So you have to know what you're going to allocate to those. There's no wrong way to do it. Maybe you're in a really upscale area with an average income of $275,000. Well, you're probably not going to want to make it look like, you know, sports clips. You, you might want it to you want you might want it to look like a little nicer office. On the same token, a patient has never walked into a dental office and been like, "Man, this chair really sucks. Like this thing is uncomfortable. I hate it." They're all comfortable. They're new. Never, Literally, never, never has that. Never said that. They never said that. No one ever says that. Yeah, no one. No one ever knows the names. No exactly. One. No one knows the name, so it exactly. It's, and there are chairs that are literally nineteen hundred dollars with a five-year warranty, and there are chairs that are twelve grand with a two-year warranty. Right. So it all depends on what the client wants. Uh, you know, same thing. If you're going to be maybe more community health focused, or you're doing Medicaid, or you're going to do, you're going to take every cotton pick and PPO on the planet. Well, if you were fee for service, you wouldn't have to see as many people, but 
you know, with Medicaid in, in Texas and, and certainly with, you know, managed care in other states, you got to, if you're going to cut your fee to the 50th or 60th percentile to do the same production, you need to see, you know, about two, 300% more people. So you better have right out of the gates, you know, maybe three ops instead of two. Yeah. Um, it's crazy to do any more than two ops initially, maybe a third, because you're not going to be busy full time. You're going to be working two or three days a week in your practice and then two days somewhere else to pay the bills. Now, that's so good. This is a guy that has sold millions, millions of dollars. Hundreds of, of millions. Who's yeah. Saying? 800, 800 projects is what I is what I thought. Like eight hundred well, projects, man. Listen, the why the reason why that works, and the reason why it also worked for me is if you do it right the first time, you're gonna get the residual off operatories down the line, right? Correct. Some people are like, I'm just gonna jam as much as I can right now to get it, and then see you later. You know, so, right, so let's talk about this ops. How many ops? Matt just said two, maybe three. three. Yes, yeah. max every single, t- every single time 100%. because you're only going to be open a couple days a week. Now you can open, um, but you're probably going to be able to pay, pay the bills, right? So you need to have an associateship in place unless you're independently wealthy or you have an accountant or a financial planner that's accounted for the burn of the first 18 months. And you'll cash flow at about anywhere between 35 to 40 new patients per month. And you can see those two days a week for like four months, you know, four weeks in a month. In so two that, shares. Out of two shares. So at that point, based on how good your associateship is, you have two options. You can add another chair and make the days that you are in your office more productive if you're making two, three, four hundred thousand dollars in an associateship position. Or you can tell your owner, listen, I need to scale your boss. I can, I need to scale back a day and add a day to my office. Or if you're really exploding, you can be open maybe four days a week and pick up some Fridays somewhere else or do temp work and see more people out of two chairs by adding another day. It's the same capacity, right? Um, I'm going to put my consultant hat on real quick. Put it on. I don't, I don't, do I have, I don't know if I have it. My, there is a workflow thing here. There is an argument for three because I don't ever like patients sitting in the waiting room. There you go, John. And so getting patients in the back as as soon as possible is always a good thing. We don't want anybody waiting in the waiting room. So that third chair, that overflow chair is, but but what are we talking about here per chair? Like how much are we talking about for one extra chair? You can get an operatory for nine grand or you can spend literally 65 grand. Correct. A lot of that's going to depend upon the business. So I was more of a Honda Accord, Toyota Camry kind of guy where, you know, average operatory price, again, part of the country and type of equipment is going to range. But, you know, 15 to 25,000 is going to get you something that's unbelievable. And a lot of offices would do chair unit like cabinet in two rooms. And for that, to, to your point, uh, Michael, maybe do a chair and a nomad or a chair and a light for that overflow. So the assistant come, can come in and take x-rays or an additional assistant can take x-rays, seat the patient, you know, do anything else they need to chair side. And then when that other room frees up, move them over. Now, you don't want to short yourself on not having a delivery system in a cabinet if you can afford it. But, you know, if you're spending more upper echelon dollars, you know, you're you, you're going to use every bit. Of, or if you decided you wanted to start with comb beam um, as it's quickly becoming, you know, more common, I wouldn't say standard of care, but a lot more common now. I mean, 
you got you to know the terrain before you navigate it. So if, you, if you're doing implants or you're doing surgery or you're capable at complex endo, you know, having that technology is going to make a, a more diagnostic tool for you and probably generate more revenue than having another room. So it's a give take, but that should be a conversation that you're having with the person that you're dealing with so that, you know, A, you don't blow your budget and B, you can open and, and have adequate cash flow and scale and, and, and not have any financial issues early on. So, so I love that you, you brought a, it's what, what, how you're speaking right now is actually talking about integrity based consultative sales, right? It's about integrity. And hopefully there's a radar with our listeners and we're going to give them that radar to be able to see if someone has integrity because that thing of saying, hey, just put a chair there if you're overflow and a light and you can do rechecks or denture checks or whatever it is and you can move them over. And then you could also, because you have the acumen or most of these guys have the acumen and gals, hey, please note that you're going to have to turn that chair over and clean that room. So there is some time spent with that, but we did save you that money up front. I mean, yep. those are the steps that people need to think about as they're going through this process. So I love that. I love the the idea that what, what our listeners need to do is think about their budget, think about their patient care, especially early on, man. They need to spend more time with that patient to gain trust correct and sit next to that patient so their their you know their schedule their appointments might be a little bit longer and mm-hmm. that's fine because you have the time to build trust with the patient and build that experience so you know that's going to be a whole nother session talking about patient experience and you know but you know Dog yeah, no, don't to touch on that, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's all about, I used to tell people you have, you know, again, the, pardon me, Mike, this doesn't have, or Michael, this doesn't have a, a, a lot to do with equipment, but the, the, the equipment is important, but it's not paramount, right? The, the patient's going to judge the practice. You've got three chances to impact that patient's perception of the quality of care they're getting. First and foremost is the team, the way they're treated, cordialness, on time, et cetera, et cetera. Secondly, unfortunately, is the facility, right? The building. Um, we all know that there are hole in the wall restaurants out there that serve really great pizza or really great Mexican food. But, that you know, that's kind of the exception to the rule when you're looking for a new restaurant to go to. Right. And then lastly, the doctor's hands, the way they physically perceive pain or they physically perceive chairside manner and hands. So the equipment in the, in the facility is a very big part of that in terms of aesthetics and comfort and things of that nature. But most of the practices have an industry, if, especially if it's new have a, you know, a fresh new look to the building and to the, you know, to the facility because it's a brand new construction. So um, it really is more about the operation and, you know, not breaking the bank when you open up and having those systems in place for your business so you can scale and increase productivity. What, John, what's interesting, right, right, is like I'm, I'm sitting back and I'm listening to you guys and equipment and this whole segment is really about equipment and both of you continue to go back to the, to the business. Listeners, isn't that ironic? You have two really good salespeople, equipment people. Let's not even call them sales. Let's call them equipment consultants because because ultimately that's what they are. They keep taking you back to the business because it's not about the equipment. It's about the business, the vision, all of that. You know, Matt, you just broke down the three the three big things. But I'm sorry, I got to keep it. Go- I got to keep going back because people are listening for equipment. John, we talked about 
yeah, yeah go ahead. What were you going to say? You were, I'm sorry, I interrupted yeah. you for the first no, time. No, I was, I was just going to say, we got to go back to equipment. So if, if we are buying equipment, and, mm-hmm. and this is kind of the next segment, if we are buying equipment, what's the equipment you buy that you can get the return in dentistry back? You mentioned technology, you sold a lot of technology. So if we're only doing two operatories, maybe we have the budget for some digital stuff that's going to help you sell more dentistry. That's a business concept. So let's have a discussion about that. Well, and I think, Mike, this when we talked about this, but and Matt, I know you're going to agree, you know, having co-diagnosis tools, obviously digital x-ray, that should almost be a standard like but maybe secondary monitors, co-diagnosis monitors where the patient can see them, you know, any intraoral cameras where they can see what it is. You know, I always go back to the, the, the old adage, you know, the guy at the muffler shop is saying, hey, your muffler's cracked, you need a new muffler. You, hey, the muffler's cracked, you need a new muffler. Well, until he takes you back there, puts it up on the rack and says, look, there's the crack, guess what? Hey, let's get a new muffler. You know, yeah. same thing on the tooth. Yeah, no. I mean, to John's point, I mean, what I used to tell people is, you know, A, I was very technology driven because 15 years ago when I started, or 15, almost 20 years ago, when I started doing this, um, you know, there was still some film out there. So technology was a differentiator. Now it's the industry standard. And the reality of the situation is you can't treat what you can't see. Nice. So if, you, if, you, if you're going with a value line sensor or a value line pan or cheap stuff made by children in China... In radiography, you know, you're going to have more radiolucency. Your imaging is not going to be as good. And, you know, there are times where you open up an MOD, A, B, C, D, E, a filling that you thought was just one occlusal class two, and all of a sudden it's turned into a crown. Now, I'm not saying that that's, you know, that's certainly not because of the doctor, but maybe what you were relying on or the last time an image was taken, depending on when the patient was last in for imaging uh, and when it's accepted and and, and done, can, can, uh, can result in that. To John's point as well, a big part of case acceptance is trust. And a picture in, in, in every in every industry is worth a thousand words. So, I, you know, I used to recommend a, a camera per provider. Yeah. Every hygienist, every doctor needs a camera. Put a docking cable in every room, plug them in. But of, of any single thing in a dental office, good high quality intraoral cameras are going to give you the highest return on investment. I mean, they range from like two grand to five grand for super high end 4k HD type images and you can buy them for $300 on the internet. But I used to call them disposable cameras. If you want disposable cameras, great. You know, you're going to go through, just know that we can sell you one per operatory for 300 bucks, but you need to buy a backup because the warranty is one year and you're going to be sending that in two or three times to repair under warranty. Whereas, and you're not going to get a loaner, whereas you spend a three, three K or five K on a great camera like digital doc or some of the other things out there. A, you're going to get better imaging, um, and B, you'll have this big, beautiful image that the patient can see, which will translate to something you know that is clearer that and that might lend itself to replacing amalgam fillings or you know doing a, replacing microfissures or small little things that you want, you know might not see that a patient would kind of question whether or not that needs to be done. So, so Matt, Matt, you brought up some great points, you know, and and it really is that foundation of two to three ops to start with because it it opens up the opportunity for people to bring in some technology that actually makes sense you know the electric hand pieces for patient comfort and also integration of um, 
you know, endo procedures where you're able to do some more procedures in the practice, right? Um, there's some other ideas with that, but by, by not going crazy with your budget on operatories, you're actually able to bring some more technology into play. Um, I, I wouldn't say out of the gate unless you, you're buying a practice and this is startup uncensored, but it, you know, not putting in a CAD cam not putting in things that are don't make sense right or a laser or, or i mean laser. does it cut a tooth does a handpiece cut a tooth yeah i mean to be honest you know some of the manufacturers not, might not like this but you know the the other than the intraoral camera the number two producing thing in terms of roi in the practice is going to be imaging i mean with a digital pan or a cbct which you can buy brand new or from an unbelievable company called renew digital that buys relatively pre-owned slash year or two old x-rays and installs them with a full service experience, just like a dealer does. Um, you know, you can, every time you push a button, it's a hundred bucks or 175 bucks. Right. I mean, literally your cost is the electricity. That's it. And so you're, not actually, you're actually not doing it. Your assistant's doing it. So correct. It's, it's hands. And again, you can't treat what you can't see. Dentists are not dentists of individual teeth. They're, you know, a clinician of the lower half of the skull starting with condyle, fossa, joints, and all the way down to foramen. So, you know, you should really, again, I'm not a dentist, and I know different programs treat different things. And some doctors are like, I don't need a pan, you know, but you can catch a carotid artery on a pan. You know, you can, you can catch, you know, endo way earlier than it's going to show up on a PA. There's actually more shades of gray in a pan or in a CBCT than there is an intraoral image. That, that ROI actually makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, do an FMX and get paid for that, or you can do a you know, a pano and four bite wings. And, and but but the ability to do thirds or the ability to do some other things with the the uh, uh, the pano, obviously that's going to allow for additional fees and services to be rendered. So exactly. I like that sort of product. And once again, guys, you don't have to buy a CBCT on day one. Mm-hmm. You can buy a pano for thirty grand. Because that's what you need today. And guess what? You will, it's standard of care is hard to talk about, but you're going to have a lot of what you need today, right? Yeah. And a lot of those machines are upgradable down the road. Yeah. So if you're not doing CBCT or, or you feel like you can't afford it, you maybe you want a little nicer equipment. But, you know, I used to sell a ton of lasers when I started. And there are a couple people that will throw the kitchen sink at a doctor that can get a loan or two and end up spending six hundred fifty to seven hundred thousand dollars to to you know start out out of an office. But if you look at the tangible return on CAD CAM, um, and really even on digital modeling, you know, can you get an impression without digital modeling? Yeah, I mean, do you want to be a digital practice? Sure, but what is the opportunity cost of thirty grand and having digital modeling? Right? right. What's the opportunity cost? It's another op. Or in some, maybe another three ops, you know, if you're or, buying. Or, or more importantly, it could be marketing to get butts in the seat, which Correct. this is about allocation of monies mm-hmm. that allowed us to get butts in the seat. That's the true ROI, right? Mm-hmm. And that word of mouth of the experience, those three things that you talked about, right? The actual physical plant, the actual staff, and then the hands, that's mm-hmm. going to get butts in the seat. Ultimately, after you get enough butts in the seat and start getting monies, that's what we have. We have the ability to add an op, digital radiography, you know, going to classes to do implant courses, whatever it might be. So as you guys continue to, to nerd out on equipment, let's think about it for a second here. So, (laughs) so what we, what we keep taking, what we keep 
talking about is is not getting too crazy with the core equipment, reallocating those dollars towards equipment that will help you sell dentistry. And that's not a dirty word. And then what John just broke down is, is also taking those extra dollars and getting it to marketing to get the patients in. So, so this is a business, you guys. This is you take the free money, the, the money that you've managed well by not over equipping your office. You spend money on marketing to get the people in the door. And then you actually spend money on equipment that helps you sell those people so that they say yes. And it's a full circle. So don't spend all of your money on the Matt, I love it. The patients don't ever come in and say this chair is uncomfortable. I love that. I love that. Now it needs to be presentable. You know, don't don't your equipment as you know, and and you want to be dealing with a reputable deal, full service dealer that's going to service it, that's going to warranty it, that's going to install it for free, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, a patient. On the same token, a patient never gets up out of a chair after a procedure and goes, you know what, doctor? The margin on my crown is fantastic. And I'm so glad that you have the best materials in using 3M or Dent Supply. And I'll bet there'll be no cracks or micro leaks in my filling for the next 10 years. Thank you so much for your clinical aptitude. They judge that on the office, on the look of it, the feel of it, and the comfort of it. So don't go so low end that they feel like, you know, they're, they're going into a tattoo parlor, but uh, you know, you want it to be clean and, and efficient, but, but presentable obviously as well. Beautiful. Well, I think that's a great, great step. Uh, this episode, part one, part two, you know, tune in followers. Thanks so much for, for all that you are. You, you participate, you follow us, you subscribe. Matt Zolfo is phenomenal resource for John and I, and we're, we're, we're super pleased to have you. Hey, stay, stay tuned. We're going to jump into the next episode here and discuss some of the value add that, that, that equipment reps do provide because we focused a lot on the transactional piece of this today. We talked about budget, talked about the sales process, but the truth is the white knight can be your equipment rep in this whole project. And I want to get into a little bit of that in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another truth-filled episode of Startup Uncensored. Check out Startup Uncensored on Facebook and YouTube. Click like, subscribe, and interact with Michael and John.